And uh, yeah, here we are with Mary Allison Woo! and so excited. We've, we've been visioning this and imagining this and uh, like, like, you know, waiting for the right moment and here's the right moment. And here we are, perfect divine timing, mid-March. And um, I'm really excited to, and happy and grateful to dive in together. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be with you. So thank you for connecting with me today. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. And, and you're in Sedona, right? I am in Sedona. It actually snowed today in the desert. So that's cool. Nice. I spent, yeah. I, there was a period where I was going to Sedona a lot. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, if anyone's listening who hasn't been there, it's a very, definitely got a special energy there. It's a special vortex, uh, magical place, incredible beauty. And yeah, it snows. Mm -hmm. People don't think of Arizona as a place that snows, but it gets quite cold there and it snows a lot. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so special because you get this beautiful blend of the desert and then the cold weather sometimes. And mm -hmm. It's a perfect tornado of duality. So I love it. And everyone here is really accepting and kind. It's a mm -hmm. beautiful community. There's a lot of goofy people too, but yes. I'd rather have goofy people yes. than boring people around me. Absolutely. So 100% agree. It's known for goofs yeah. and yes. goofs are fun. They are. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's like people out dancing just every day. Like there's uh -huh. like party dances on the rocks every day uh -huh. and I'm like, that's so cool. I don't want to join them, but like, I love that I can sip my tea and like watch them and appreciate their mm -hmm. inner child experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it snows, it's like these beautiful colors too, because you have that, like that, that beautiful red of the rocks and then this white yeah. snow and then the green pines. And it's like, the colors are really amazing. Yeah. It's divine. It is. It's like another planet and I'm just so happy. It's like planted in America randomly. So cool. Mm hmm. So before we started, we were talking about Atlanta. Yes. And, um, now, did you grow up there? You, you were there previously. Yeah, I grew up in Atlanta for I was there for the first 22 years of my life until I escaped. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed ever that you were from Atlanta. You don't assume that you're from Atlanta, yeah. but, you know, uh -huh. life isn't always what it seems. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I think the kids in Atlanta didn't think I was from there either. Like, <laughs> I just didn't blend in. Um, so those were like my torture years in Atlanta, mm -hmm. but I appreciate it. It taught me a lot and there were a lot of beautiful people. So um, I, I just don't think it was for me. I'm not a, a huge city person, right. but some people love Atlanta and it has a lot of beautiful greenery and scenery and a big metaphysical community um so it's it's lovely I, I don't mean to harp on Atlanta I don't have anything against it it was just a crazy time there when I was there I think like big big urban areas are not like your cup of tea nor are they for me yeah. so uh, another oh, area cool. where we resonate yeah but um Atlanta so I think my first I don't know if it's the first but it's one of the first times you came in my consciousness Ooh. was through John Stringer, my, oh, my dear friend. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me about some kind of like, like an event you guys did together. It was, I think oh. it was at the Center for Spiritual Living. And okay. there was like a really small like turnout. It was like real below like what was expected. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you had this idea and you guys made it like really like magical somehow. <laughs> That's my memory of the story. 
but uh oh. i was like yeah i think i i think i i think i do know her i think i'm connected to her and then like um yeah then it just kind of somehow we that, into it sort of sealed from there that's crazy i'm trying to remember what event it was because like i was i feel like i was in atlanta when i was like a kid basically because mm-hmm. i left when i was 22 mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Sedona, I went through all these initiations, like falling for snake oil schemes from, you know, like shamanic men who just want to like get in your pants, um, all the way to realizing that real spiritual work is down in the underworld of the self and really grasping at my own shadow and my own shortcomings and beginning to finally get a bit humbled by God or source. And so this experience in Sedona has grounded me, which makes sense because Sedona is a very grounding place. Like people call it the root chakra of America. And um, some people come here and they sort of miss the point and they become completely ungrounded. They fly into the sky like a kite and they just lose who they are. And I guess that's what happens when we try to approach parts of ourselves. We're not ready to embody. We sort of dissociate from them, but in Atlanta, I was like this kid, I feel, and now I feel more like a, a doll or a woman. And um, so I don't know which event that was because I did so many events there. Some were really awesome. Some were just like, you know, no one showed up. <laughs> I think it was one of those. I think it was one yeah. of those. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it. And John's so cool, though, because even if no one shows up, John is just so in the moment and so beautiful and present. He would just you know, sing songs and we would all sing together and have our own small ceremony. So I hope that's what happened then because he is that's what a happened. radiant soul. Yeah. 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 So he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. We've done a lot of um, retreats together and workshops yeah. and things over the years. And we've done, we did a lot in Atlanta. So that's, that's probably why you have me in your consciousness in Atlanta. Oh, and, that's um, cool. Okay. And I'm in Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. I love Asheville. Do you like Asheville? Um, that's a big, that's a big question right now, which I will answer. Okay. Um, cause I was just talking to some of this, uh, friend of mine just came into town. A lot of people are moving here from like, it's kind of like a step. That's how I would answer the question. Okay. So you go, you go from like Los Angeles or like New York and you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to go to Asheville. Asheville is like the greatest, you know? And then there's like a next step, which is getting out of Asheville and like further into the mountains you know right so I'm kind right. of on that I'm on the next level that's what I'm looking to and then and then not just going there by yourself but the, the next level would be like to go there and like bring your friends like bring create this mm-hmm. this um vortex you know community that can be an example of what's possible on the planet you know and then create these these pods around the world and then they network together and then we're creating like the new earth together you know oh, that's beautiful are yeah. you in like Burnsville or Boone are you no I'm actually that's this that's what I'm saying I'm actually in Asheville so oh you're in (laughs) I haven't haven't made the next step yet but we're 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 actively working on it you know that's really cool I like that so when you say like how do I like Asheville it's like "Eh, I'm ready to get out of the city for reasons that we don't have to get into all the details on those but um let's just say things are changing here in the past like year or two and it's it's becoming much more like restrictive and Mm. um oh. you know uh so i don't i don't i don't like that so um right. so i what is it it's 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 like an impulse for people to move 
more into harmony with nature, more into the mountains, more into, you know, um, mm -hmm. these, uh, these smaller communities that can be created. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's this, this region is, it, it's like a Sedona, you know, people come here for a reason, you know, yeah. it's one of those places where uh, they come here for a reason, they come with intention. And so you, you connect with great people and then it's like, what are you going to do together? What are you going to do about it? Okay, now you, meet the, now, you, now you met each other. What are you going to do? Are you going to create something amazing? Or are you just going to like let that opportunity uh, dissipate and just be in the matrix together, you know? So that's kind of like where it's at right now. That makes so much sense. When I, because I lived in Asheville too. Mm -hmm. and when I lived there, I actually lived in a tree house in Burnsville. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going into the city all the time and thinking mm -hmm. like, this would be rough. Like, and that was like a long time ago. So mm -hmm. that makes so much sense. I'm excited that you're maybe moving off into the mountains. Yeah. I feel like what you say is so vital and true to what our species is moving through right now. We're wanting yeah. to ground into more sacred space. Yeah. I mean, in Asheville now, everybody's wearing the mask and everybody wants to okay. like, no one wants to be near each other. And it's very strange. Oh, wow. Okay. Very strange to me. Some people obviously like it. They're into it. You know, good for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. So, mm. uh, you know, creating something a little bit different. I love that. Yeah, I, I feel you so much. It's it's amazing. I, I really feel like there's so many people who understand the importance of connection. And mm -hmm. I'm curious to see where the next 10 years go. I feel like there will be, I don't know, some awakening for those who, who want to stay connected. And not to say that someone wearing a mask doesn't want to be connected, but there is a literal shield between you and the other person and we do have to think of the philosophical uh, philosophical implications of that as a a grouping of people it doesn't hurt to talk about it that's a great great point i mean like when people talk about when the when you know our government talks about the mass they talk about it as a mm -hmm. uh how it's good for your physical you know it, it will it will protect you from viruses and you'll, you'll be safe physically which is debatable but um but besides that like what they don't talk about is like, what are the psychological effects? What are the emotional effects? What are the relational effects? What are the effects on a community? What are the effects? You know, it's like th these, th there are effects and like that not even addressed that or not even talk about that. You're, it's a huge part of the equation that's, that's, that's missing. Like, so for me, um, I usually most days here, I'll go for a walk uh, through the neighborhood and um people here are pretty friendly, you know, it's like, hello and hi. And, you know, sometimes even like stop and talk to people for a while. And so I noticed this thing that started happening when the masks, all of a sudden people started wearing masks outside, you know, and they're mm -hmm. wearing masks while they're walking around. Um, and I would say it started to be, I haven't walked here recently because I was on a trip, but um, before I left, I would say it was like a kind of got getting to the point of like 50, 50, like 50% 50 of the people are wearing masks, 50% of people are not wearing masks outside walking. So what was happening, and this is my own kind of scientific study, right? I'm, I'm just observing. Right. So I'm going on this walk every day. And the people that wore a mask, almost no one ever said hello to me. They just kind of like would look down and like look away. So it really like breaks this, the social connection of a community, you know, of a neighborhood. And the people that weren't wearing masks, almost all of them said, said hello and said hi to me. 
So I was like, oh, that's really, that's really interesting, right? That's, that's, that's a component of this that's not really, I mean, we, kind of, we all kind of know that that's there, but it's not really being like looked at as, you know, and then what's the effect on children, you know, and, and you know, correctly seeing that. So, but you want to say something? No, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm like, no, but I do want to say <laughs> no, something. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I do. Yeah, no. That's so funny. Yeah, I really, I, I think what's, what would be so cool is if we could just sit down together. Like, I almost played with the idea of starting a little YouTube channel where I sat down with people who felt a division had struck uh, between them. And I just thought it would be so nice to sit down and listen to people who maybe feel really comfortable with a mask or want to wear it versus, not versus, but um, in communication with people who are really, really not okay with it and feel really violated by it. And one thing we learn in trauma healing is however the body feels is sacred, right? So if you have a good healer who connects with you, they should never disinvalidate how you feel. Um, even if what you feel doesn't make sense, it's a feeling and it's adequate. We don't have to form a belief system off of it immediately. We don't have to make assumptions, but we do have to respect it. Because if you listen to different psychologists speak, they'll always say the body speaks through emotion. And that code is to be deciphered through a firm grounding sense of understanding and recognition and I always tell people like go back to that inner child work if your child came to you and they said mommy I feel unsafe with this teacher Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so if you're a good mother or father you would say wow let me look into that let me make sure my child's safe and if they don't feel good around someone let me make sure they're not around that person protecting their instinct and um, I think that this experience of masking has caused such a wave of, you know, divisiveness. And I think that if we could all sit down, maybe with a couple of practitioners present and say to each other, hey, this is how I feel. How do you feel? Because I have some people in my family who love, like, they really like wearing masks. And mm -hmm. they told me it makes them feel safe because some of them have like panic attack issues and they said mm -hmm. it like creates this safe barrier for them between them and the social world and for me I'm like wow that's not how it feels to me at all like I feel completely different um I feel like I can't hear people when they're wearing a mask I I literally can't like they'll tell me stuff and I'm just like I'm not hearing you and I also can't see their beautiful expressions which are so sacred especially the expression of a child like to be able to see that it's a blessing, you know, that child's smile, or even if a child cries, I want to see that. I don't want to just have to look at into someone's eyes and, and play like a sort of guessing game with them. And um, so I, I would like for us to be able to have a healthy discourse around this, because one thing that worries me is not only the fact that your study, what you said, does seem to be true sometimes, the more we mask, the more we are just naturally disconnected from one another because there's literally a shield, sometimes literally, well, a facial shield or whatever in front of us. And that does physically alter our ability to connect as humans. Even if you're into masking, you would have to recognize that to some degree, right? Um, and the other thing that worries me around that is 
that we, I've seen a divide in the spiritual community where, and I've been guilty of this, where we've judged each other and where we're like, this person wants this. So therefore they're, you know, wanting the new world order or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a reason that certain conspiratorial information is leaked. It's so the people who are interested in researching it can get a hold of it and feel absolutely paranoid and freaked out. Um, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. I guess I should pause because that's like, a lot of different points. Like there's a, so much good stuff in there. Way to, like, too much <laughs> to follow up in there. But I think like the 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 bottom line to me is like, yeah, we're in this space where we're like really like demons. Like there's there's my team and then the the evil ones. You True, know, yeah. and like you know, like these people are evil and everything is their fault and everything that's happening in the world is because of them. And like, I'm on the good team and everything that we do is like righteous and perfect and we're great. And like, right. it's so, it's so like, what's the word like, like redundant or not redundant, but um, there's a word where it's like, it's so, it's just so like such a basic, simple way where the world is actually so much more complex, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rich yeah. and nuanced and people are, there's a lot going on in people. They're not, they're not just good or evil. They're not just, it's not just black and white. And like being able to like go beyond this, like, you know, these are the evil people and like, no, they're people like you, you know, and, and they have a way of looking at things that might be different than you. And that's, that's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, it's a good impulse for conversation for having a place. So I think that's, what's, what's really important and really like, what we're really being called for right now is like because they're like what do we do you know what do we do what's the solution i think we've gotten way too into like facebook and like posting and like thinking this is communication but it's not communication and people just get angry and they feel like they're not being heard because they're actually really not being heard you know it's not a real it's not a real like conversation and so this is good because this is like i can see you like i can hear you we see each other's facial expressions it's live it's in real time feels like a real conversation you know and um uh I get really getting more back to like face-to-face you know mm-hmm. the conversation and gatherings and then um have you explored the clubhouse the app yeah I've had some people tell me about it are you on it yeah I haven't found the sweet spot with it yet like I haven't really mm-hmm. I haven't really got oh I get it you know I haven't, I haven't got that point yet right. but I see the potential of it where it's actual live conversations you know and people are actually talking to each other you know so that, I think that's yeah. a really good step in the right direction yeah I think I think it's a step in the potential right direction I have heard of some conversations on there that are very unique I guess because it started as a closed group. So you had a certain wave of, I think there's a lot of, um, what are they called? People from the tech world mm-hmm. have, have begun on that app. So I think it started with a sort of cocooning of belief systems, but I yeah. feel in the future that cocoon will burst forth mm-hmm. and there will be more interaction, more discussion in regards to different topics. So I'm like really fascinated to see where it goes. It yeah. seems like you can create whatever topic you want. Like you set the topic mm-hmm. and then obviously, well, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on it at all, <laughs> but I know you can, make, <laughs> you can make the topic that you want. Mm-hmm. And then I have heard of uh, at least one instance where people kind of came in that weren't aligned with the topic and created mm-hmm. some, some conflict and kind of created a coup. And but I don't know. Okay. It's interesting. It's just interesting that there's, that there's new things that are being explored and being tried and, and like yeah. new ways of communicating that are 
um, that are at least setting the intention to have real conversations with each other. That feels important. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm really curious to, I just, I really have the one thing I could say about this time period we're in, because this has been a crazy last year, is I just don't feel like it's the end. And I really do feel like it's the birthing place of so many new beginnings. And that is ironic though, because within the rebirth of something, there's always a death on some level, Mm -hmm. but the more comfortable we are with the concept of releasing, shedding the old skin, the more that death doesn't really translate as a death anymore. It's just like, okay, time to transmute into another state of being. And I'm, I'm very excited to see where everything goes. So I'll be watching happily with you, Brian. (laughs) I think that that you just hit a huge point, which is that because I was like feeling into like this, this culture, our culture, uh, American culture, kind of Western culture, mm-hmm. it's like we don't embrace death. Oh, we yes. don't embrace <laughs> death. Mm-hmm. Like we think that death is some kind of, and, and this was like, so, you know, the, me saying this even is like such a radical statement, but it's not, it's, exactly. like common, it's common sense. Like people die, like we're all going to die. Everybody dies. Everything dies. Everything you see, it's death, death. It's all going to die. So it's not, it's not, it's not mean. It's not bad. It's just, that's just how it is. And like, if you can just embrace death, you know, like the body dies, you know, relationships die, our thoughts die, our feelings die, you know, the day dies and the next day is born. Cause that's, you're absolutely 100% right. If you can embrace the death, which it seems like that's a, that's a big part of our initiation as a culture. Like we're, it's like death yeah. is this thing to avoid at all costs, but it's like, why? Right. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Like you, you can't avoid death. Death is part of life. There's no life without death and no death without life. So when there's that, when there's that death and you embrace the death, then there's the rebirth, you know? So I love that. I love that. It's like out of the old, out of the, the letting go of the old, the new can be, can be born. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, love that you mentioned that even bringing up death is sort of taboo and people get like emotional Mm -hmm. and they misinterpret what we have to say you know like Mm -hmm. just us discussing the mere concept even the metaphor of death could lead to someone being like oh my god they're pro-suicide you know (laughs) and it's like what like no what that we're not at all I think if we had a richer understanding of different cultures, especially different indigenous cultures, um, they, to me, on a metaphorical level at least, really, really understood that death was an intricate fusing of life. It was an intricate part of healing, really. And I remember I was listening to someone speak about how this one culture, and I forgot, I forgot which one this was, so I'll have to look it up, maybe provide it in the show notes, but they would have the men for their initiation into manhood stick their hand in the fire and burn it. So they would literally burn off old layers of skin. It was very painful. And they were sort of initiating through that feeling of death. And then there's also the vision quest, which many have heard about where, you know, you go out into the forest or into the woods and you have no water and you really don't have anything, no water or food from my understanding and you sit in this sort of circle of solitude for days and you allow yourself to sort of in a way die because you don't have that which you need to live and it's risky. And they often come out of that initiation feeling like they know more about their path, their purpose, 
their connection to source, but they've risked their life in doing such. And I think that the reason we don't talk about death so much these days is because there's not a lot of risk anymore in life, you know, like we used to send children off to walk to school by themselves and they could die along the way. Like the, as funny as that sounds, cause you have the, the people who have that story of like, oh, when I was a kid, my journey to school was so rough and you don't know how lucky you have it. And as funny as those stories are, there's a lot of truth there. You know, you used to have children and adults participate in risk much more commonly. I remember stories from my grandmother where her mom, her whole, all of her fingers were cut off when using this industrial machine um, on their farm. And she actually sewed them back on with seaweed and uh, was able to cure that. So she had a moving hand, which was like crazy. But um, yeah, it's like our connection to risk is canceled in a way. And so because of this, we don't know what it means to be alive because we don't have this rush of recognition as to what life is. How do you know what life is if you don't ever risk it for something? And I'm not at all encouraging someone to put themselves in literal danger, but I will say, look at those in our society who do take a risk, those who put themselves out on a public platform who are maybe shamed and who feel sometimes scared for their life because they put out their truth or those who live doing what excites them, what pumps that adrenaline and who sometimes do risk their livelihood for that. So I feel like risk is a very sacred sort of symbol and emotion that we have disconnected from. And I think that's something we hunger for actually as a society because it brings us back to life. I love that. I'm totally, I think you're so right. You, I don't, I don't usually share a meme going to pop. I have to share this meme with you because it's so aligned. Cool. So I don't know if you can see it. Oh, okay. Let me see. Can you see that? Oh, I, I can't see the words. Okay. So I'll read the words to you. So okay. the first is the 1800s. And it says, I'm working 16 hours a day. And there's these people like working, you know. And then the 1900s. And it says, I'm off to fight a war. You have these soldiers with the, the guns, you know. And then it says the 2000s. I'm offended, <laughs> and that's kind of like that's kind of like where it's at. It's like we're just so in our heads, you know, and we we don't have any kind of real risk, you know, because we put so much emphasis on safety, safety, safety. And I think it's I find that everything has a balance, right? So obviously, safety has importance. Um, and risk also has importance. And it's like finding that balance of the two, the optimal balance is when you're really have the highest state of optimal living and well-being and thriving. So like that mix of the two, but if it's too much risk without safety, then that's not good. And too much safety without risk is not good. And we're on, like you said, we're on the way too much safety without yeah. risk side. And I think it's, um, it makes us like disconnected from life. And you, you know, this is where people get into like depression and feeling kind of flat and bored and, you know, don't have a sense of meaning or purpose or direction. Um, so, but, but yeah, to grow and expand and evolve and awaken your consciousness, you got to, you have to take risks, you know, you have to take risks. And I like what you said too, because I feel like you're, 
you take risks. Like I, I follow, you know, some of your stuff on social media and you take risks and sharing things that I'm sure you're not sure how it's going to go over sometimes, how people will respond. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. that feels like that's part of what it means to be like living your truth, right? Yeah. I mean, it feels, honestly, it feels so good. Um, I've had like, even in Sedona, there's, there's like, I think there's some famous spiritual teachers here or something. And I think that my posts pissed some of them off and they like defriended me or whatever. And I honestly love, I was so excited Mm -hmm. because I feel Mm -hmm. this like excitement around conflict because I feel like that's what we need to, to grow. Like anyone Mm -hmm. who's ever really taught me anything has poked a part of me that was sensitive Mm -hmm. And I had to look at that part of me and say, like, um, this is really uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable because I'm unsafe? Is it uncomfortable because they're brushing on a wounding of mine? And oftentimes it's a wounding of mine that's just popping mm-hmm. up to, yeah. to be healed. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, isn't that why we're here as humans? We each act like act like these different um, sort of neurons within this collective brain. And I feel like we're meant to fire sort of signaling of conflict and love and change upon one another and to me real love is like feeling a whole range a whole spectrum of emotion and if you look at every single animal's existence in this world they continuously feel a spectrum of emotion and they feel so alive and so present like if you look into the eyes of a lion it's gorgeous because it's like they have a whole universe of emotionality within them and we we love that as human beings we worship that yet it's like, how can we get that for ourselves? Like be the lion and like poke others every now and then. And um, my my true friends and connections are so open to looking at parts of themselves that are uncomfortable as I am too. And I just feel like, I don't know. I honestly have fun with it these days. I used to get like so emotional and so upset. Like, oh my gosh, this person who everyone looks up to just blocked me on Facebook. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like even if we don't ever see each other in this life again, we've stoked something within each other's internal fire. And I know that I never mean any harm from it. I'm pretty nice. And I know that, I don't know, they might mean harm, but I know at the center of their core, they're just, they're a soul wanting to learn with me. So I don't know, it's kind of fun. I I, like, I've had a hard time getting offended lately, which is so great. I used to get really upset though. That's great. (laughs) No, I think that you and I have, uh, we have the same message is what I've noticed is why I feel like so resonant with you, which is basically like embrace everything. Like everything is divine, you know, at the end, you know, embrace (laughs) all the different emotions that are inside you, all the different feelings, all the different thoughts, all the different aspects of yourself. Um, And in learning to do that, then you're able to, you know, learning to, that would be self-love, right? You're able to love all these parts of yourself. Then you're able to love all the parts of everybody else. And then you're able to be in love and we all want to be in love and you can be in love (laughs) in every, each and every moment. And, Mm -hmm. and then you're just in love and that's it. Um, not Not to say you don't have like, you know, that's the thing is like being unconditionally in love with the moment means you're in love with whatever rises, you know? whatever the feeling is or the sensation or, you know, the situation, um, yeah. but there's a different quality to it when you're embracing it, when, in, in, when you're resisting it and you're in contraction to it. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think that our spiritual 
collective consciousness is attempting to learn what true love for the self and for others is. And what I've noticed is in the past 100 years, maybe even just the past 50 years, spirituality has been crammed into the box of dissociative um, identity where not dissociative identity disorder, but dissociating from your identity where you sort of forget who you are and you sort of forget to embrace that which you are. So I do tell people like even embracing the sort of dark, cathartic, maybe even carnal emotions that you feel are really important. And I think people get very confused though, because when we say embrace, it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily act out of unconsciousness in regards to it. Um, and that wouldn't be true embracing anyways, like true embracing is sitting and feeling and learning from what comes through. And every now and then you have a protective part of you, a discerning part of you that wants to come through and protect your loved ones or protect yourself from something that arises. And that can translate into the physical realm. Maybe you find different ways to protect yourself, but it's weird. Cause it's like, I love the whole embrace all connect to all, but then I feel like that can be very mis translated if that makes sense um to people who aren't ready to look at the collective shadow and the fact that we are animals and we do need that divine masculine energy that men and women can encompass which is being the divine protector and the only reason I say that is because when I was younger I grew up in a spiritual church and everyone was super amazing but there was like not an emphasis on the darker side of things. And there wasn't as much protection as was needed. I felt like, I felt like there could have been a sort of protective council that, you know, helped out the kids who were going through abusive situations. Like we needed sort of a more, a, a deeper energetic balance. Does, does that make sense? Do you know where I'm getting yeah, it's at? An inter- like it's, I'm an interesting, not- it's an interesting topic. Like I, I think that um, I definitely see how people can misinterpret that. But I think it's not how it works for me. I, I feel like it's actually the the embracing of the shadow is what makes you aware of the shadow. It makes you conscious of it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't embrace it, then you can't even like you can't even really fully see it. You're you're kind of like just like oh you know this thing. But if exactly. you actually just stopped and just like oh let me look at it's like you know let me look at this. Let me see it. Let me feel it. Let me touch it. Um, oh, it's actually like not that scared at all it's actually a part it's like your your shadow becomes your your superpower i'll give you like a good example i've shared this i think in the podcast before but um it's actually a movie reference which is uh batman okay the batman was a child Mm -hmm. child batman adam what's his name adam something or other oh i do Uh, not know uh, bruce wayne bruce wayne oh yes So he's a child and he has this tremendous, uh, he, he fell into a well. He was walking and fell into a well and he got like attacked by these bats. Uh, oh. Yeah. So he had this tremendous fear of bats. He had this incredible phobia of bats. And so just kind of long story short, skipping ahead, he goes to some kind of like superhero training place in the mountains. <laughs> And they're like, you have to face, you have to face your shadow. And they take him on this journey and he like faces, he goes back to that moment and he like, you know, goes into the bats and somehow he like transmutates the situation where like the bats who were his greatest fear and his enemy, they become, he embraces them. He embraces the bats. And Mm -hmm. then the bats become like part of him. 
so much a part of him that he becomes the Batman, you know, and that's how he becomes a superhero through, in, through embracing that shadow that he was so afraid of, you know? And so I feel like that's, that's the thing with us is like, we have this, these things that like, we love to project onto other people. We love to like, you know, it goes back to like, they're the evil ones kind of thing. It's like, no, we're the evil, yeah. the evil ones. It's like, it's in us, but we're not, we're not actually evil. It's just, it's just a part of us that just needs to be integrated. It's, it's like, it's like disconnected. You use the word dissociated, you know? And like, if you can like just honor that part of yourself and embrace it, then like, for example, um, let's, let's use like, um, cause you said that we're animals, you know, which I totally agree with. And I think more spiritual people should be acknowledging that. We are animals, we're mammals, you know? And so mm-hmm. there's like this animal part of ourselves that if we don't acknowledge that animal part, it can come out in very harmful ways. You know, it can, it can come out in ways that are really hurt people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But if we say, hey, I'm an animal, I have these primal urges and these primal things and this stuff inside me, you know, and I see it and I'm aware of it, then I can integrate it in with the higher part of me. And it becomes this fluid whole, right? But if I don't honor and integrate yes. it, then it's disconnected and, and it comes out in these shadow unconscious ways. So actually to become aware of it actually makes it conscious and it can, can be integrated. I completely love that. I love that. It's so true. It's so crazy because even people who do quite dark things in this world, like, mm-hmm. you know, things that many wouldn't even think about like, 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 like a serial killer. Like, um, I don't know if you've noticed this trend through Netflix, but people are obsessed with murders and people love watching documentaries about murderers and like, why did they do this? What was going on? And one thing I've mentioned to people recently is we're obsessed as a culture with watching documentaries about these evil quote, quote, evil people because we are so interested in learning about our own shadow. That's right. And we yep. are so disconnected from our yep. own shadow and our yep. own animalistic nature yep. that we sit in front of a screen and learn about, I think his name's like Ted Bundy or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And the truth of the matter is, like if you look at the psychology of a serial killer, there was almost always a highly abusive situation that occurred when they were younger and they weren't able to process, transmute it and move through it. They Mm -hmm. most likely didn't have the best resources, like the, Mm -hmm. you know, the right mentor or healer to come in and say, Hey, you got to work on this. And the, the best mentors and healers will say to all of us, Hey, that darkness to be that evil, it actually exists within you. How do you think the Holocaust happened? Like if that darkness didn't exist within many of us, to be played upon in an unconscious manner, we wouldn't be able to falter to it. And we only falter to it when it is unconscious and unresolved. So um, the more we connect to those woundings, like Batman did when he was mm-hmm. put through that wounding of being yeah. harassed and scared yeah. of the bats. And then he realized, wow, this is my wound. Let me confront it and heal it. And yeah. then thus is the integration of my own soul. And through the integration of your own soul, you actually become quite super powerful whether you're a superhero or just super powerful as human um so i completely jive with what you said and i would love for us to really connect the dots as a culture and realize we're not just interested in this you know intense person 
because we want to be entertained. It goes much deeper than that. And it's time mm-hmm. for all of us to integrate our own wounding because everyone has some sort of back cave they want to look at inside mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Love this. Woo-hoo! I love this. <laughs> Me too. Um, this, this idea of like the killer, you know, like, like, yeah, that's in us. And like, if we can, if we can acknowledge it and integrate it and can we then make it something like, this is kind of a strange thing, but I, what's occurring to me at the moment, I'm thinking of a couple of different things, um, but I'll go with, I'll kind of go backwards. So um, I grew up uh, watching a lot of uh, sports and there'd be this thing where they, the commentator, sometimes they would go like, this guy is such a fantastic, great player. He's got that killer instinct. And mm. I was like, hmm, that's interesting, right? So he has a killer instinct, but he's not using it to kill people. He's, okay. he's using it to, to move ahead, to achieve his goal or to achieve, you know, to win the championship or whatever it is, you know, you know, it's like, we can, we can take these components and again, use them for a higher purpose uh, when they're integrated and when they're acknowledged. But if there's a disconnection, if it's like this disassociated thing, then it comes out and he's really unconscious. It's, it's the shadow. Shadow means we can't see it. You know, it's, we can't, we're not mm-hmm. conscious of it. It comes out in these really dark, um, dark, meaning you can't see it. You know, there's this really, right. this, this way that's not aligned with our highest purpose. So I think that's a really big thing of like, instead of trying to like push these things away and like pretend that they're not you, like, oh, that is a part of me, you know, but how can I, how can I acknowledge it and integrate it into what my divine and what my divine purpose is? Absolutely. I feel like too, if we just, recognized and accepted that the biological nature of the human animal mm-hmm. is to protect itself and so of course we will have mm-hmm. the potentiality to kill built into mm-hmm. all of us you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think we get so scared of that as a modern culture because here we are you know maybe going shopping or watching a movie or hanging out with our friends and then oh you find out your partner's cheating on you and all of a sudden you have this urge for them to die Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god am I crazy am I evil and it's like no your biological urge to protect yourself is kicking in you're scared and hurt and the part of you that wants to protect your children or your clan is being lit up and do you Mm -hmm. act on it no consciousness is knowing that we don't have to stoop to those levels of physically harming or killing one another anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But when we were in more of a tribal period as human beings, what if it was a matter of life or death? What if you had two barbaric humanic tribes fighting one another, Mm -hmm. then killing was biologically normal and whatnot to those warriors and those tribes. So it's a matter of being able to connect the dots holistically because the fact of the matter is, Many of us have angelic qualities, but we're in human bodies and our biology is, you know, it's, it's not like we have the biology of a fairy. Like we have the, the shadow biology, which is that of primal desire sometimes. And uh-huh. it's not to be shamed, but it's not to be used. And I think that's what people could realize from watching these like documentaries and these, you know, movies on serial killers is like, the only reason the killer did that is because they were they were very confused in regards to their own biological nature. 
And to me, it makes me feel very sad for everyone involved. It's like, oh my God, none of that needed to happen. This person needed to sit down with like a therapist who could really help them walk through their past. And unfortunately that didn't happen. And so now there's destruction, which makes me sad. Um, Cause we're at this level in humanity where there doesn't have to be destruction in such a carnal way anymore. And this, so is the evolution of our species, which is so cool. Um, but yeah, it's so funny to me that we're so scared of our own shadow. Cause it's like, it's, it's really quite a special part of you. That's trying to communicate to you the fact that you have a whole range of beautiful emotions that want to be held and understood. And if you can do that emotional work, then you can really do anything quite honestly, like any powerful executive or person I've ever worked with has really become so comfortable with their own emotional state of being that life doesn't trigger them as much as it does to other people. And you said earlier, there's this whole I'm offended movement and there totally is. And that movement itself stems from people bypassing and ignoring the human shadow and the fact that they have emotions they just want to work through on a conscious, healthy, holistic level. So we'll have to really teach each other in the coming years. Hey, maybe you're not as offended about this as you think. If you are, that's fine. But maybe it's pointing to something that's upset you in your past, you know, and if mm -hmm. you take five minutes away from the screen and look at your past and actually begin to heal and feel what happened, you might not really care about this cartoon from the 1920s anymore, you know, like who gives a shit? It's like a cartoon. Like it's, it's old. It's no one watches it, you know, like. And it's also <laughs> it's history, you know, like if, if we, yeah. if we don't acknowledge, like, of course there's things yes. that have happened in the past that are horrible and things that are racist and things that are mm -hmm. pregnant and all these kind of things, but like, it's actually good to, to know them and have the rec, keep the record of them. So we have the awareness oh gosh, of that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good to try to censor and get rid of those things is we, we want to know that those things happened and have an awareness of them. But there's like a there's a there's another interesting point there, too, which is thinking of John Stringer, our mutual friend, talking to him yeah. recently. And he was um, I noticed with him, like he was talking about, like, if he gets like triggered by something or he finds like resistance about something, mm -hmm. he's really curious, to, like explore that in himself. You know, oh, why did that really like bother me? Why did that? And I think that's the next level for people because we're kind of in this, you know, kind of collective thing in the mainstream now where it's like, if I'm offended, then you need to be canceled. You need to be, you know, it's your fault. We need to get rid of you. And the next level is like, oh, I noticed that that's, I'm offended. What is that? And, you know, a self exploration of what's going on there for me. Why did that really like, you know, trigger something in me? And, um, and that, that would be a gateway to like deeper levels of self-realization and, and self-awareness. But we have this idea that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't kind of like you said, right. We shouldn't have these feelings, but whatever yeah, feeling, really, whatever yeah. feeling is there, we should be having it. Cause that's, cause we're having it. I am so happy you said that. Cause that is such an important point I've been musing over the past couple months is like, I understand that people want to cancel something that makes them feel uncomfortable because they're kind of scared to go to the deeper level of emotionality and realize mm -hmm. this is something that wants to be processed within you. But at the same time, that is a cutout, a puzzle piece of the jigsaw of our entire history. And 
I mean, I would ask, I would ask everyone listening, you know, that old cartoon Betty Boop, I don't really know much about it, but like, I I feel like in a lot of old cartoons, there were probably offensive uh, pieces of doctrine. I mean, there were cartoons in, I think, Nazi Germany that were depicting Jewish people as evil or as something to be someone or something to be disgusted by, which is awful to see the way they manipulate those words to convince a mass amount of people to shun another group of people, which is ironically happening now as well. But um, there are all sorts of devilish and weird and dark cartoons and movies and agendas and books and whatnot out there. And I so agree with you. If we can look at that as a picture from a moment in time, a snapshot and say, wow, look at how easily manipulated the culture was then, or look at how confused everyone was or how, you know, racist people were like, that's absolutely abhorrent. And we have this piece of evidence to remind us not to go to this place together. This is not healing to become separating and racist and dividing and whatnot. And yet we have this reminder from the past to sway us from doing that again. So um, I just love that you brought that up because that's something I've been thinking so much this week. I'm like, but how are the children of tomorrow gonna know how bad it got at this point in time? If we erase everything, we have to be able to educate them and say, humanity got this bad and it can get this bad again. And this is why we keep these totems of memory. It doesn't mean we have to subject ourselves to watching these cartoons, you know, like (laughs) there's other stuff to do, but we have that precious message there. And I'm so happy you mentioned that. Mm. So yeah, cool. I, I think I think in our own lives too, it's like really important. Oh yeah. Right? This this is like yeah. a, I think this is a huge issue. Like there's this thing of like like uh you know, let's say for example, like somebody's running for political office and like they're like, well, this 15 years ago, this person did cocaine or they 50, you know, they had some affair 20 years ago. And it's like it's like, yeah, well probably that's probably good that probably means they had that experience they learned from it they grew from it and they became like who they are now like i'd actually rather have somebody that had um made made mistakes and like learned from them and grew in wisdom from that than somebody that lived in a sheltered existence and never really experienced life the way other people experienced it you know so it's like we're in this strange thing of like you know it's like anything you did in, the, in your past entire life is like a means to like cancel you or like the whole point of being alive is to just to make mistakes and learn and grow from them and and you know and and evolve in your consciousness so like that's a whole different perspective too i think that would really be benefit us to have i, I really like that a lot and i especially resonate with that in terms of like my own life as i'm sure many people can where i'll look back on a facebook photo from when i was like just a teenager or a photo of me when I was 13 or 10 or nine. And I can see the change in my presence. And I, I can see, you know, there's that ex-boyfriend I dated, like, what was I thinking? But here I have this snapshot of it, this little video of it to remind me of how far I've come. And um, I'm hopefully that person has come far as well. And we can look back on these memories and go, wow, this is the beautiful spiral that is the evolution of our own soul consciousness. 
and how amazing that we are where we are at today. And I feel like I feel like that just raises the point of integration once again, because when you truly integrate life lessons, there are going to be some experiences you look back on and think I would never do that anymore. But what a profound thing that I could be in such a dark place, do such a weird discombobulating thing and rise from it, such as the metaphor of the phoenix rising from the ashes. It's like, who are we to cancel the ashes? Like, who are we to exterminate the grounds from which we rose from? Those are sacred grounds. And I want to preserve this pile of ashes that I rose from because it shows how strong I am. And it shows that I can rise from such a hell. So I agree with you completely. And I think our culture is hungering for more cultural authenticity and emotional honesty. And I think we don't know what that means yet, but we will hopefully teach it to one another and learn it and create a beautiful dawning of awareness in regards to human integration and healing. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And, and then that, that perspective on life of like, it's like a journey, right? It's like, yeah. you're not, you don't come out this like, I mean, I don't believe that there's, I'm not, I'm not in the perfection really at all, unless we say everything's right. perfect. But like, I think yeah. that we're continuing like evolving and growing and that's why we're here. That's why we're incarnated. So that perspective then seeing it that way, gives me more compassion for other people, you know? So I, absolutely right. So I can see somebody now and see them doing something that like, you know, I'm like, well, why are you doing that? You know, that's, that's, that you're really hurting yourself or you're hurting someone else, but that's where they are and their journey in this moment. And then one day they'll be in a different place and they'll be in a different level of awareness, but they have to go through it. I mean, the way, an easier way to see this is with younger people, like kids, you know, it's, it can be harder with adults, but it's the same thing, you know, but it's easier to see it with kids where you see a kid and you're like, okay, well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he or she doesn't know better at this point, but they have right. to experience that to learn that lesson, you know, and that's what Absolutely. we're here for. I couldn't agree more. I think our sort of like ideologies and logics in regards to life really connect. And it's a blessing to like talk to someone like you who understands that a true journey is about stumbling and falling and then rising from that. And we are not wise to hold one another to past parts of ourselves that have since died and been reborn. I have a pet snake who I love. I love all sorts of animals and every couple months he sheds his skin. And if I framed his old skin on the wall, which would be weird and, you know, was obsessed with this old version of him that is no longer there, that would be psychotic. Like that would be completely deranged. <laughs> and so animals, I feel have this blessed ability to move on, you know, like a deer is um, almost hit by a car, it rolls off into the forest, and it shakes out its trauma and its pain, and it moves on and it's a deer and it's, <laughs> it's eating its beautiful brush and living in its beautiful forest. And it's not harping on the fact that it was almost hit by a car every second of its life. It's like, I, I've, I've moved past that. I've completed that traumatic moment. And um, I think we would just learn a lot from the creatures, the beautiful animalistic creatures that surround us because they understand that the past is not meant to be a version of our present identity unless we don't heal it and integrate it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about um, what you do. Like, what do you, how do you show up in the world and like- yeah. Because it's interesting, like I actually, 
you were sharing something before we started here and I, I was like oh I actually have no idea like what you do with your days or yeah but, I know yeah, which is great I, I like know. that but now Thanks. I'm ready to know yeah that's I'm glad you asked it almost because um I've had like the past few years I just put out writings and stuff and yeah. that's not like what I do but I've had people message me and accuse me of being like a trust fund baby uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right because they like have thought that I um just have all just like hanging this out time. all day and yeah, yeah I'm just like you know whatever yeah, like yeah I can do anything I want and um so I don't do that I'm not a trust fund person but um but more power to anyone who has money yeah That's good for great. you if you're out there if you, you trust funders <laughs> out there good for you make the most of your life yeah yeah use it for something amazing yeah. that's incredible yeah. but um yeah so I right now I'm heavily into the stock market and so I've been working with that um, I do business consultation with clients where I help them to build their business from a, a very holistic perspective we work on their own shadowy work and then we work on their angelic side their more heavenly side and we integrate the two psychologically and then they bridge that towards their business because my whole thing is like someone's business is usually a reflection of their own internal consciousness um, oftentimes. So we use that as a way to sort of heal, but also figure out how they want to market, how they want to get their information out there. And then I train people to do uh, stock work and that's just, it's fun. I, I like have this deep love with the stock market. It's just I don't know. To me, it's like a dance. I get to go on and dance with each stock and figure out, you know, where is it going? What's it doing? And, um, and whatnot. And then I do some intuitive work as well. And I'm one of those people who loves integrating business lifestyle and with intuitive work. And I'm very open to the fact that they can both dance together in loving harmony. Um, I'm not against like capitalism, like a lot of people seem to be right now. Um, that's not to say that I don't realize that capitalism has some very deep flaws and some very controlling sort of oligarchy um, system behind it, which makes it not even capitalist anymore. Yeah, the, word, the word I've been hearing is uh, crony capitalism. I think that's a good term. Yeah, for it. I yeah. like that. Yeah, because it's just not a true embody. I think mm. that healthy capitalism could be good if mm. it was created in such a way that was not allowing of a small group of people right to take control of it so that's what I do I don't know if that makes sense but let me know if you have any questions I I have to say like that you're like working in the stock market that's a surprise yeah a lot of people say that yeah it's I think a lot of people see me as like a poetic uh yeah soul that likes which is part of you you know, which is part of me. Yeah. And in my integration work, what I realized is I'm, I'm multifaceted, like all of us, and we all have different aspects. And for me, the stock market is like, I'm in love with it. Like I, I'm not in love with the system it's built upon. And I'm not in love with certain hedge funds, and certain ways that people go about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am in love with the idea that we can actually support different businesses and in supporting them they can support us through the unraveling and growth of their own stock and I think it gives humans a chance to vote as well and to say I really believe in this company um and I also feel like they're going to do well and um yeah so it's it's really fun yeah I don't know that's really interesting yeah that's interesting like so you it's like day day trading 
Is that what you're doing? Sometimes, yeah. Right now, I'm not as focused on that just because um, there's, for me, I, I have a really relaxed approach towards making money. And um, I found that if I can just sort of, I, I pinpoint certain stocks that I feel are going to really take off, like hugely. Like when people tell me that a stock rose like 20%, I'm like, like, I'm like waiting for more information. Cause I'm like, that's, that's not that much. Like I'm, I'm looking for like 500 to 900%. Really so interesting. I, yeah. I spend more time finding that stock than the day trading. I will, I think day trading is great. It's just that I do work with clients. I do art, I do writing. I have other stuff to do during the day. Uh -huh. um, so sometimes I'm just not available to plug it in and pull it out. Are you, uh, are you on wall street bets? Are you in the Reddit no. thing? Um, what did you think of that whole like GameStop thing? Yeah. I thought it was odd. Um, I I thought it was cool because it brought a lot of attention to the hedge fund issue. Mm -hmm. And I, I was also surprised though. I was like, wait, do people not realize that the stock market is primarily composed of a bunch of people who like work against the common day folk? Like mm -hmm. it just shocked me that people didn't already know that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was glad that it brought resolution and well, maybe not resolution, but communication towards that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the actual idea of coming together and doing that work, I say more power to them. I think that's great, but I'm, I'm not interested. Like, that's the one thing people ask me these days. They're like, oh, you must be in GameStop or AMC. And I'm like, no, like, I, I don't have a reason to support those companies. I feel like, I honestly feel like GameStop is supposed to sort of yeah. dissolve eventually like i'm so sorry it's like blockbuster for games and like blockbuster dissolved for a reason and so is the cycle of the economic uh ecosystem like when something is meant to die something else will replace it in in a rebirth sort of way right. so i'm actually quite a fan of like economics and understanding the fact that the economy itself represents cycles of life um, and those who want to participate in that can, if they want, um, I don't have anything against what they're doing. It's just like, I honestly am confused as to why they didn't pick other companies. I feel like other mm -hmm. companies could have had more power behind them. Like there are other companies I follow that I feel are gonna do really well. Um, does that make sense? I don't know. I hope I'm not are you, like, are I'm, you, um, <laughs> are you, I don't know how this works, but like, are you able to share a company that you feel would like do really well or is that like not something that's like <laughs> cool to do um at this point I don't share but I might be able to share in the future I'm kind mm -hmm. of like I have a very closed network of clientele mm -hmm. and um I try to keep everything private for now but for what if we interview again which I would love maybe I'll be more in a place where Mm -hmm. I can share more if that makes sense. But just in like a general sense, you, you, you take a company that's probably like not like it's like a seed or it's like just it's not really it's just it's just about to about to explode and about to take, you know, about the flower, about the bloom, you know, whatever metaphor we want to use here. Right. And then um, it's probably one it sounds like that you like believe in that you think is like good for the world and will make be a positive difference in the world and kind of combining those two factors it sounds like is like what you hone in on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Cause unfortunately there are companies out there that 
you can tell they would do good for the world, but you can tell they're not going to go very far. They're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You're like, okay, it's just not ready. Like it's a good idea. I think they invented something along the lines of Uber in the early 2000s and it just didn't take off. And there was this economist talking about how timing of a company is actually really important. And um, eventually Uber did come around and it did take off. So mm-hmm. it's funny, the timing of things, but um, I try to combine those two essences. And if something feels off or really unhealthy to me, like if some structure of a company feels, you know, not good for the American people or really any people, the European people, the Australian yeah, people, right. I will just you know, pull my distance myself. Cause I feel like if I invest in a stock, my energy is connected to it. And I don't want to have a connection or a relationship with something that is not of the highest evolutionary good. And I try my best. I'm not saying that like every company I scout is perfect because I have my flaws too in my shadows and I might misperceive something, but that's what I'm trying to aim for at least. Mm-hmm. What do you think of uh, cryptocurrency? Um, I have a friend who wrote about cryptocurrency recently. His name mm-hmm. is Sammy Richards, and mm-hmm. he's got a great set of... Do you know him, by the way? He's a writer. Maybe. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll send you his info, okay. but he talked about how... If you just look into the meaning of words, they can be really powerful. So crypto means death, mm-hmm. and I'm skeptical of anything, and a lot of people are not going to like hearing this, but... I'm skeptical of anything that has um, banking backing it, which Mm -hmm. is ironic because I'm working in the stock market, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like within the stock market I work in, I know that many of the banks that are connected to it are not of the healthiest intention for humankind. Mm -hmm. And I can still make an impact by investing in companies that I feel are, right? Because it's not black and white. It's not like Mm -hmm. we have to give up investments and money and everything and live in a shed in the woods Mm -hmm. and sing Kumbaya every night. Cause it's like, I don't want to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if someone else out there wants to do that, go build a shed. That's amazing. But like, I don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So with Bitcoin, I have noticed, I think it was someone in charge or connected to Chase Bank who came out and was saying we're really supporting um, different cryptos. And I think they were even backing Bitcoin. And what I realized was one of two things are happening. Either Bitcoin is becoming so big and so influential that they are getting behind it because they know that they're going to suffer if they don't. So that could Mm -hmm. be number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two is they've known about Bitcoin all along and they want it to be a new monetary system um, that is still set up through uh, the version of currency. I don't know if you know about like um, currency versus like real tangible um, money. Does that make sense? Like like, fiat money versus like the gold standard, that kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Because to me, um, I still feel like crypto is too similar to a sort of fiat system. Um, That's just my opinion right now. It could change. And Mm. I'm not against it. I'm investing in some cryptos. Cause I feel like that's just a smart investment. And I feel like what they stand for is, is exciting and I get it, but I would honestly be more excited if we went back to a gold backed currency. Um, just because I feel like, I feel like that made a lot of sense, especially because we had a physical thing backing it up. I'm sure there could be someone who's really aware of Bitcoin right now 
who could try and tell me, no, it's different. It doesn't operate in that way, in that manner. There's a technological backing, if that makes sense. Do you know much about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but um, from what I understand of Bitcoin, I'm pretty excited about it and like what it can do for humanity and how it can kind of like get us off of the fiat system, you know, but I, 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 I get what you're saying too of like, I think people are feeling the same thing of like, this thing is corrupt. <laughs> like, this thing that we're in is like really corrupt and it needs yeah. to change. And people are exploring different ways of like what it is to do that. Um, yes. And what's the, what's the pathway to do that? And um, cryptocurrency is an area some people are exploring as a way to do that. I guess we'll just, like you said, like you said previously, we'll just sit back together and see what happens, see how it unfolds. Absolutely. And I definitely don't, I'm not like against it. I'm just uh, not, I'm not like sitting around excited. I'm more kind of like, oh, let me see what happens with this. This yeah. is interesting. And you're right. The, wow. bank, the, bank, the big banks are getting more involved now. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's the first one. I think that it's because it's becoming so big. They're like, we, we don't want to miss the boat now. We want to like, you know, right. we, we've seen the price go up 500% in the last year. We're missing out. We need to like get involved in this. But then there is a question of like, you know, I, it does seem like from everything I've been looking at and researching and stuff like you too, like this global currency thing is like coming to an end. Um, and there's it's something new needs to emerge. And right. Like I've seen some like conspiracy. Do you know, have you heard of, uh, do you know, Catherine Austin Fitz? I don't. She had this video about how like, she thinks that the COVID, the, this whole thing that we're happening is like, it's related to like, they want to change the currency and needed a, okay. needed a kind of cover for that. And I don't have anything on that. If that's true or not true. But what I do feel is that like, yeah, something major is happening and we're like, we're coming to the death. We're coming to the death of something that we've been in for a long time. And something new is wanting to emerge. And, um, you know, we're all a part of, you know, what that is, we're all a part of co-creating that or, or not co-creating that. Um, I think that's all we yeah. can really say at this point. But to have that yeah. larger perspective is important, you know, because like this, that feeling of like, oh, the mm -hmm. world's going to end in the world. It's like, well, yeah, this world's ending. <laughs> but there's, like, there's something new that can, can emerge from that. And, it, you know, the more that the more that we're aware of that and we participate, the more it can be a smoother thing that we that we move into. I completely agree. I'm I'm excited. It's like what you said earlier, where we look back on each other's lives, maybe on our own children's lives or our own childhoods. And we can just have a lot of appreciation from an observational point of view as to mm -hmm. discussions that are unraveling. Like, I love that crypto brings up the discussion around currency to people yeah. and yeah. allows people to realize that the dollar is going to reach a point of inflation and collective yeah. debt and it's already collapsing in ways mm -hmm. and I love that we can just be aware of that and have a sort of conversation around the cultural campfire and like from that fire maybe we'll have certain cryptos that come forth and maybe we'll have Maybe we'll even have other currencies that are gold backed that people focus on. Who yeah. knows? I, I'm really appreciative of everyone's philosophy and excitement around it. Cause I just feel like more engagement and attentiveness brought to that collective discussion is important. Cause I feel like 10 years ago, people just would think this was 
almost like conspiracy related. Like if we were discussing how toxic the dollar was, people would be like, oh my God, that come on, get out of here. And now it's like, no, it's a modern day knowing that our currency is just held by a very thin belief system, which is also interesting from a level of metaphysical viewpoint yeah. too. Yeah. So there's all these cool pockets and ways for us yeah. to learn. And I'm just yeah. so excited to learn with everyone and see more minds open and more discussion. <laughs> I think the key is decentralization, right? Like that's what we really yeah, need is yeah. decentralization and like, like, um, like a self-organizing intelligence mm. that comes from within. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I work with people on in regards to the market. I work with them on learning how to trust their gut instinct because I tell them instinct is not a crazy thing that just erupts out of you once a year when it needs to. It's this animalistic knowing that you carry. And if you can connect to it, you can really use it to influence your trades to be super powerful. Um, so I, I agree with you. And I feel like whenever anything gets really big, it becomes a doorway or a gateway for corruption. Because mm -hmm. if we think of even just the creation of America, originally, it was created on the basis of freedom. It was a beautiful idea and a beautiful creation in my eyes, just my opinion. Um, not to say that the people involved were perfect. They were not. They were humans. They definitely had flaws. But as that creation emerged, it became a maze of corruption because it became so huge and it became so powerful. So I would think, well, yeah, Bitcoin seems like it can start a revolution, a revelation, but we all have to be careful because if it gets certain power, it's going to become potentially manhandled by people who are psychopathic and who haven't dealt with their shadows who want to corrupt it as well. So it could be uncorruptible. And then one day it there's always a way for corruption to find its way into something. If that something is detached from instinct and unaware and un not skeptical, you know? So I wish we could bring things back home and become more connected to community and one another and our own instinct and really have that ability to yeah. create that sacred village. And yeah. maybe we could have different villages with their own currencies. I don't know. There's yes. so many no, that's options. it. That's a hundred percent it. And I, I don't think it's again, like, I don't think it's that hard to do. Like, um, mm. so sometimes I asked me earlier today, they're like, well, what's the solution to all this? You know? And I said, basically what you just said, and I think we touched on it earlier too, is like, what I see is like coming back to a local level of like face to face, you know, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's scientific studies that show if you get over, I believe it's 250 people, you start losing like a sense of what people's names are and who they are and your sense of, you know, right. So it's like really coming back down, going back, which is going forward to this like local level of like really connecting and, and like filling this heart centered space with each other and like feeling like we're a deep part of this sense of community. Like we've like even saying it, like I feel this like pain in my heart. Like I think we all feel it like across the world, like we, we yeah. lost something, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. And we want to we want to we want to return to it in this higher level. It doesn't mean we're going back to being like cavemen and cave women, but we're, right. we're but we're but we're reintegrating some things and coming into like a higher level of it. Yeah, and I think there'll be you know there could be a time like maybe you know in ten thousand years we evolve and we're some kind of other we're in some different kind of bodies and it's you know some different kind of thing. But as long as we're in these bodies, <laughs> like that's that's how we connect to each other, you know. And so. Yeah. That's what I see. And then I see like these, 
they're like pods and they're just like all around the world. And there's like these, these small communities, they network together. And like, that's the new, uh, that's, yeah, that's the new earth. Like, and, and there's, there's this higher level of relating from that place. I really love that. Cause we could have the integration of our little pods, our little cocoons, our community villages. And then we could also have the technology of today that allows us yeah. to travel around and learn from each other. Yeah while maintaining a sacred sort of formula between um, villages mm -hmm. and allowing those villages to be their own mass consciousness, to be their own representation of what they feel they are aligned with. And I just think that would be so beautiful. And I think that will only emerge if we can develop a certain level of toleration and understanding for people who want to live in different ways, because not every village is going to be the same while 